I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Uncover Your Magic. If you are one of my loyal weekly listeners, thank you so much for your support and sharing with me when an episode really makes an impact in your life. I also want to welcome all the new listeners, and there's so many, I'm so grateful, and say thank you for trusting your intuition and finding this show and spending your time listening. My analytics are so fun to look at now that this podcast is almost two and a half years old. I can't even believe I'm saying that. I remember looking and seeing, wow, 80 people listened (laughs) this week. I was in shock that someone would actually listen to the show And I was trying to add up all my family friends to see if there was more than just that. It's amazing. But as I kept pushing past my fear and committing to this podcast inspiration I had back in March of 2020, my numbers kept rising. Also, to think people in other countries listen to this show is mind-blowing. I also just enjoy this podcast so much, so much more than I ever thought I would. I can't even imagine not having it. And I hope you feel that you have listened to this podcast and have grown and learned so much, just as much as me. So now, as I get ready to record another episode, I want to thank you all for the reviews and subscribing to the show and even subscribing to my YouTube channel. I love getting emails and DMs on both Instagram and Facebook. It makes me realize I'm not just putting content out there on this show and no one is benefiting from it. It makes me feel all of you even more when I interview my guests, knowing what I think you would all want to ask if you were sitting in my seat in front of, in front of my guest. Also, just a reminder, my new session for raising confidence for teenagers and the magic path for adults and parents is starting September 12th and runs through November 6th. It's eight weeks. I just graduated some incredible teenagers that are now equipped to take on another school year with new tools and such incredible confidence. I also just finished with the parents of some of these teens who now have an entirely new family dynamic, and nothing can bring me more joy than to see the transformation each week in these kids and families. So please, if you want your teenagers or your entire family to feel like they can conquer the world with so much confidence and love and with a mindset that will set them up for life, please connect with me. Send me an email at ashleygonner at gmail.com or check out my website at ashleygonner.com. Now on to my guest whose story, first of all, blew my mind. And then his knowledge of the body, the mind, and the spirit took me to a whole other level. I heard him on Sahara Rose's podcast, The Highest Self. And I think 
I sent it to every friend, my sisters, everybody I knew who would resonate with his message. Then I binged all of his TikToks and YouTube videos and not only learned so much about my health and body, but about how my health is affected by so many other factors, one being childhood trauma. His name is Nate Ortiz. He is the host of the Be Great with Nate podcast and has been on this podcast journey just about as long as I have. His TikTok account is so full of valuable information and also his Instagram you will want to follow as well. There is so much about Nate that I love and admire. His passion for health stemmed from his childhood and the struggles he had within his family and how it showed up in his body. He is an old soul, and I know you will see why I say that. He is definitely doing what he was put on this earth to do. I will have Nate tell us all about his story because it is one story that I have uncovered and I've seen more magic in than ever before. So you are in for a treat. I think everyone should follow Nate. He has so much knowledge for us to learn from. So without further ado, please welcome Nate Ortiz to the show. Welcome, Nate. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm seriously grateful. Oh, you are. Holy cow. Like, okay, so I've told you, I told everybody I, how I found you. And then I've gone down the TikTok rabbit hole, the YouTube rabbit hole, every, your podcast, Be Great with Nate. And, you know, I'm always, I mean, as a 53-year-old woman with had children, all the things and digestion, all the things you talk about, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. And I'd be taking notes and I think, gosh, you think you, what I think about you is that you bring it down to like, it's something connected to like a childhood trauma or Mm -hmm. you connect the dots, Mm -hmm. you know, and you you see the, yes, tell Mm -hmm. me. Well, you have to, because when I grew up, I was, you know, I grew up, I came into this world on drugs, right? My mother was a drug addict and she got hooked on a young, a very young age. She had a lot of childhood trauma. So was my father. And when I came into this world, I would, I couldn't read. I couldn't write. I had weight issues. I had skin issues. My joints would be hurting all day. I couldn't touch my toes. Like every other kid can touch their toes. And every time I asked why I would get like a pill or I would get something like a simple answer genetics, for an example. And I'm like, well, you're telling me reading, writing, digestive issues, weight, everything's genetic. And that was like, I kind of felt like there was more. I remember I was playing, I grew up in the projects in Jersey City, New Jersey, in the ghetto. And we would play, like, uh, our favorite thing we'd do is like play manhunt during the summer. And my cousin went to go tag me and she scratched me. And I was it. I had to now chase them. But I stopped to just look at the scratch. And I'm like, how is that going to stop bleeding? And, you know, how's that going to create a scab? How's that work? And I was always fascinating to why and how with the body. I think the body's amazing. So I figured out, I went on a journey since a kid, figure out why do we do things that we know that, you know, basically not good for us. Why do we, why are people broke? Why did I grow up broke? Why is my mother addicted to drugs? Why do I have weight issues? Why? And on that journey of learning why, I just became a huge fan of science and philosophy and holistic health, but also I can see science having a point, but I can also see the holistic or integrative health having a point. And then I want to know, you know, why do you basically disagree with each other? 
Mm-hmm. And then you start learning, oh, this money thing can get people to manipulate. So I, I had an obsession. And when I started figuring out why, I took control of my life. Right. Okay. So when I started this podcast, I wanted to name it Uncover Your Magic. That just came to me. Beautiful. And so I love, and I always say everyone has magic, right? When I uncovered your magic, it was like, whoa, there's some serious magic underneath this 29-year-old human being, old soul. I just can't get over. If you think you, I I am in like awe of you, I am. I want you to share your story and I take as long as you want, because I want everyone to hear it. And I want to hear it again and again and again, because it inspires me. It'll inspire everyone to realize like, look what Nate, where he's from, Mm -hmm. look what his mind. I mean, it's always like you push past fear you mm-hmm. did it all and look at, look at you now. Oh I would God. love to share that. Thank I live, you. I, what got me motivated through my hard times was knowing that I'm going to tell the story one day and it's going to motivate millions of people. So I was born in Jersey city, New Jersey and uh, born downtown Jersey city, New Jersey. And right. Probably as soon as you come out of New York city, you come out of Holland tunnel and then they put you right to get to either 95 or one, one and nine. Long story short, when you come out of New York City, you pass the projects and the projects was called Holland Garden Projects. That's where my mother and my father met. And my father was a drug dealer. My mother was a and my father also had addiction issues, but my mother had addiction issues and a lot of childhood trauma, a lot of mental health stuff going on. And when they started dating, my father's black, my mother's white. And when they started dating, it, these are kind of the days that I'm not going to say it wasn't cool to have a biracial relationship, but it was challenging. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when my mother and my father had me, they were kind of like, you know, I came into this world on heroin and, and, and drugs and my nervous system was having seizures and I was going in and out of like uh, life support because my body just had a lot of uh, drugs in it. So my mom and my father, they, they had to leave me at the hospital for a little bit for me to go through rehab. And I started suffering from seizures and things like in that nature. And then when it was really time to come get me, the one that really got me was my grandmother and my aunt that got me because I hear a bunch of stories why my father and my mother wasn't there. But, you know, the story that I'll probably use on this in this one is that my mom and my father just they didn't they weren't around. Right. Hmm. So my grandmother got me and and um, my mother was she was in a marriage before she met my dad and never got an official divorce. So she still was going around with the last name Ortiz. So I ended up becoming Nathan Ortiz, but I'm really Nathan Turner. And that's a fact, but I'll tell you why I'm not changing it. This is the first time I'm telling this story, by the way. So on a podcast, I can't wait to share that with you. But when I grew up, I always felt like the odd one. The reason why is because I had an older brother and sister from my mother's last marriage and had cousins and all my cousins were Puerto Rican and white. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't, I was black and white and most of them had, you know, Spanish in them and I didn't, right? But I looked like them. I sounded like them. But I had this identity issue because um, there was a joke that went around about African-Americans. That's me. That's my father you're talking about. While it can be funny, nothing was taken personal when you grew up in these situations. But I always felt like I didn't fit in. But my family, we blended in. Most of We all blended in like, you know, the projects were black, white. Spanish. We all treated each other like family. So I never felt that, but it was a personal identity. Like, who am I? You know, why can't I read like my cousins? You know, I have two female cousins that I'm extremely close to who were just really smart, you know, especially my oldest cousin. She was really smart. She can read, she can write. And I couldn't, 
And it was embarrassing, you know? And at the same time, my mother embarrassed me a little bit and, you know, of, you know, some of the behavior things that she did. And growing up, I just didn't know who I was. So when we grew up, my father, I would go to my father's side and my father's neighborhood at the time when he moved out of the projects, he moved where the African-Americans lived. And I would go, but I never feel a part of the tribe because not with my personal family, with my friends. And they called me Poppy because I didn't look like them. So I was the one that always had to fight for myself in the streets. I was always the one that was trying to be, they were trying to bully me. And then when I go to any side of like the white community, I never blended in. I was too dark. So then in about like, I think when I was in fourth or fifth grade, my mother moved to a place named Jersey City Heights. We got approved for section eight. And that's the first time I've ever met Dominicans. Now, I never knew what a Dominican was. I just saw a person that was my complexion and darker than me speaking in Spanish. So I came to my dad. I'm like, dad, you didn't teach me how to speak Spanish, man. Like <laughs> there's black people speaking Spanish. And he started laughing. He's like, no, man, those are Dominicans and Cubans. So that was the first community that ever really accepted me. And they laughed at me when I say I'm not Spanish. You're like, come on, stop it. So one of the reasons why I decided today, even though my name is kind of grown not to change my last name, is because the Spanish community is the one that kind of raised me. As far as a community, they accepted me. They raised me. I grew up on their music, their food. And that's when I became Nate Ortiz is in, in that neighborhood. So while I was going through, I was going through, my mother had a lot of issues. My father had a lot of issues. And, you know, there were days, days, there was, it was normal for us not to eat. It was normal for us not to have clean clothes. It was normal for us not to have money. I thought if I saw a friend with like a G-Shock, right? I tell the story all the time I got a G-Shock watch. It was a hundred bucks. I thought you were rich. And I, all my friends had G-Shocks growing up and I knew I couldn't have a G-Shock. We couldn't afford it. But there was a day when I was around sixth grade, my sister ended up killing my niece. I was in sixth grade. I had a niece that had epilepsy. She had two sons. One was about three. One was about one and a half. And after she killed my niece, my nephews were taken away from the state of New Jersey. My sister went to prison. Her boyfriend went to prison because they associated the murder with him. And then I had an older brother that I was trying to build a relationship with. We had different dads, but he was a sh- kind of a troublemaker. He ended up going to prison, you know, because he, he, you know, the cameraman kept on coming to the house and my brother ended up like assaulting him or he was in and out of jail my whole life, but he ended up going to prison for aggravated assault. And then my mother was clean for the three years that she had her grandkids and she did a very good job of being a grandmother. She was a great grandmother and she lost it. And that's when she went harder on things on the street. At the same time, I could never really spend time with my dad my whole life as far as just living with my dad because my dad was trying to hustle on the street to make money. He was a drug dealer. And when we hung out with my dad, we were always having to live in a fight or flight mode of looking for police. So we knew that they were looking for my dad at all times. So there was times where You know, you're trying to enjoy having like uh, go to the food court in the mall with your dad. But as soon as you see the security guard, you're looking to see if it's a cop or if it's a security guard. Mm. And then you're looking if they're coming towards us. Are they going to take my dad? So I lived my whole life afraid that they were going to take my dad away from me. And due to that, we my father did what he had to do to try to help us and get us through school and support us financially with money in our pocket, pay for anything that we really needed. And um it was survival mode. I didn't have a childhood. My whole childhood was finding a way how to survive. And that was my whole life with my dad is trying to survive. At the time of the murder after that, my mother ended up not being home in the state of New Jersey. She fell off 
of, as far as keeping updated with her appointments for Section 8 and welfare. And, um, you know, we got into a bad altercation. Like my mom, she kind of lost it one day and kind of went too far with me and my brothers as far as like, uh, you know, doing something that's not nice. And um, we knew it was time that we couldn't, we knew it wasn't safe to live with her. So we went to the hotel. My father was living in a hotel right in front of the Holland Tunnel when you go in. Wow. Right. So I grew up when you come out and across the road. Now we're staying in the Holland Tunnel. It's called the Holland Inn. It's a hotel right in front of Holland Tunnel. And we're staying with my dad. And we thought it was only going to be a couple of days. But my dad didn't have the paperwork to be able to get legal paperwork to get approved for an apartment. And I couldn't understand that at a young age. I'm like 12 years old. Like, dad, we should, you're making money. We should be able to get an apartment. And we just couldn't. So, you know, growing up, I would take a, a bike or a light rail. And I would travel like an hour and a half to two hours to go to school. Now the light rail would get me like 30, 40 minutes, but I, would, I couldn't afford a light rail. If my dad gave me $5, the light rail could be $2 each way. I only have a dollar in my pocket. So we, we learned on how to not spend so much and we sacrificed the work of moving the body instead of actually paying to get to places I can have money to eat. Mm-hmm. So when I was about, let's just say, I got to a point where I'm like, I can't, what am I going to do when I grow up? I was 11 years old. I sat there, I'm like, I can't live life like this. My, both of my older brother and sister are in jail. My mother struggling with addiction. My dad struggles with it as, as well. My dad's selling drugs. I'm watching my father literally suffer trying to pay $110 a day for this hotel room. And we couldn't really enjoy life until that room was paid off. So every day you're waking up and fight a flight. Then when you leave, you don't want everybody knowing that you live there. Okay. So you got to, I started beating people to the computer in the morning. I knew people, you know, tourists would get out there about 730. So that's when I started making a habit of waking up at 445. And I still wake up at 445 today because of that same thing. But I learned some secrets about waking up earlier. You get extra time. So if I wake up three hours extra Mm -hmm. and I do three, I get three hours times seven, that's 21 days. I get eight days of the week where an average person gets literally seven. So I find every little advantage to get to become the best, right? So one day I sat down with a piece of paper and a pen. And literally, as I'm sitting here talking to you right now, I got a piece of paper and a pen. I always carry paper with me, even if it's, you know, just to the store or anything I do. I always carry a piece of paper and a pen because my brain works. I believe anytime you write something down, I witness at a young age, as soon as you write something down, you can make it come true. So mm-hmm. I made a dream map. I didn't know it was a dream map at the time, but I made something that was a dream map. I sat down and I said to myself, okay. How can I escape Jersey City? How can I become successful? And the first thing that came to my mind, I was like, Nate, you have the number one basketball school in the country. It's down the block from your house. The high school I went to go to was down, literally three minute walk down the block. And I'm like, if I can play for the number one basketball school in the country, and I can play for a man named Bob Hurley, who was inducted to the Hall of Fame the same year Michael Jordan was inducted to the Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, he's a Hall of Fame coach. And I, I can get that guy to be a reference for my career in the future, I'm going to be successful. Everybody that played for Hurley went to college. Everyone. He had a hundred percent acceptance rate with his athletes. So I went to school every day. I went to school. A man named Oscar Fernandez, Mr. Fernandez will stop me in the hallways. Nate, you need to come talk to me. Some Cuban guy with his collar popped open with his gold chain or his hair coming up out of the uh, <laughs> collar shirt. He's like, Nate, you need to come talk to me. He was a counselor. And I'm like, you know, for the first week or two, I'm like, I'll never talk to you. But I believe you should talk to my little brothers. They need my little brother particular. You need to talk to him. 
Because if I'm going through this at 11, he's going through this at eight. He needs counseling, right? Yeah. I didn't want my brother knowing that I was too cool. You know, I didn't want, I was too cool for counseling. I had, I couldn't show weakness. Because if, mm-hmm. I, if I had weakness, I lo- my brother lost faith. And if my brother loses faith, then we, I mess up this vision of mine. Mm-hmm. But then one day I came to school and he said, Nate, again, he stopped me and said, Nate, you need to talk to me. And I said, you know what? I do. And he's shocked. He said, oh, really? I said, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I said, I'll make you a deal. I'll come tell you anything you want under one condition. And he goes, okay, what is that? I said, you need to come in this gym every morning and catch my rebounds. You need to open up this gym at six in the morning and catch my rebounds. If I come and outwork everybody, I'm going to be a St. Anthony Friar and I'm going to play for Hurley. Now, I didn't know when I was speaking to this man that he was a Hall of Fame basketball player in New Jersey. Oh, wow. He's one of the best players to ever come out of New Jersey, particularly Edison, which is located in Union City area. He, I didn't know that, right? So I'm talking to this old man and I'm like, he's like 62 at the time. And he said, all right, you got a deal. But the day that you miss, you, I no longer open the gym, you come after school. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I want to make that deal. That's a crazy deal. Then I said, you know what? You got it. And I would go in in the morning and he would change into his tank top, tuck his shirt in, wear his socks high in old converses. Mm-hmm. And he would put like his little glasses on, but he would take anytime a player got a scholarship out of St. Anthony's, he would put it up on the wall as we entered the gym and say, Nate, I want you to go to the wall and I want you to read it. But instead of it saying Mike Rosario, who was a player, by the way, who got a scholarship, who I looked up to, he said, put Nate Ortiz. Oh, I love that. And he did it anytime a player came out for scoring a lot of points or, you know, doing something spectacular out of St. Anthony's. He made me, he taped it up on a wall and he made me manifest as if that's my name. And we did that. And then come to find out this dude was a baller. He was, he was really good at basketball. So we worked, (laughs) instead of him catching my rebounds, we were playing one-on-one. We was working on my game. And as I was working on my game and trying to get around him, he would play tough with me. Not to, he never hurt me. He would just, he won't allow me to score easily. And then he would pull things out of me. Oh, look, you're getting angry. Is that how you really feel today? Are you angry? What happened? And I'm, I'm trying to score, but he's getting into my emotions. Hmm. And then I noticed the more I moved my body, the less emotions that I had as far as responding to him. Hmm. So I saw some connection there. I said, there's some type of connection. There. I feel better. I went to class after going to class and going through that. I noticed that my ADD wasn't as bad. I noticed my anger wasn't as bad. I noticed that I can sit still a little more. And I noticed that I wasn't being a class clown as much as I used to. And there was some type of connection. I couldn't really make it at the time, but I knew something with the body had something to do with it. At the same time, around seventh grade, I was still, sometimes we would go try to stay with my mom because my dad just needed some time to himself. So we'll stay with my mom. And my mom met a man, his name was Joseph. And he just came out of prison. And this man was... He was a very aesthetic, and this is a story I didn't tell people either. This is going to be in the book, but he's a very aesthetic man. And I met him before, but him and my mom used to always argue. He used to drink a lot of alcohol. So they, they were like having drunk arguments and things like that. And when I met him the second time, when I, when I was staying at the house for a little bit, he was changed. Something was different. He wasn't drinking. He was waking up every morning, making his bed. He just got out of prison. So I'm like, well, maybe he, something scary happened and he traumatized him. So I said, yo, Joe, what do you do? Like, how'd you become so built, your muscles and stuff? And he said, uh, 
he's Puerto Rican. So he's like, Bobby, come with me tomorrow morning. I'll show you. So I went with him the next morning. We went to the park at seven in the morning and we met up with about four or five other guys that were just came out of prison as well. And he gives me these gloves that look like construction gloves. And he picks me up and puts me on a pull-up bar and says, do a pull-up. I say, I can't. And he said, if your mind thinks you can't, you won't. And then the group of strong men around me that just came out of prison are cheering me on at seven in the morning in a park in Jersey City. Oh, wow. You got it. You got it. You got it. So I'm like, I got it. And then I did it. And I'm like, oh, my God. I did it. They're like, yeah, you did it. And at that moment, I'm like, well, I only did it because I had to really trick my brain. Hmm. And that's when I started to learn about that. And then 15, 20 minutes as we're working out, out of nowhere, they start talking about their feelings. I'm like, whoa, what is that? These tough guys talking about their feelings with each other. And then I walk away from the workout. I never met a group of people that were positive, that encouraged me, that that believed in me. And the world thinks these guys are bad guys, but these guys are good people. Hmm. So as I walk away, it was the first time I had control of my mind and my body. And I could not wait to go tell my friends that were on the street selling drugs about what I just learned. Because if I can get the whole neighborhood to start moving their body, then maybe I can stop the killing and drug dealing and trouble. So I went to school the next day and I said, Mr. Fernandez, I think moving the body helps the brain. We got to get the kids in my school that are my friends that are selling drugs. I got to get them in here. He goes, Nate, they're not going to come. And I said, Mr. Fernandez, if I can get them to come, can they come? He said, absolutely. So I had a couple of friends that went to juvie, all these kids. So we had like about 12 to 15 kids. I got all of them to come huh. every morning at six in the morning to work out and practice their game. They end up getting good grades. Then they qualified to play the sports for the school. And then we started playing. Then they made the basketball team. They made the, so we played basketball, volleyball, soccer. I mean, I'm not good in soccer, right? But we mm-hmm. played, I think soccer was the one I didn't play, but volleyball, basketball, and flag football. We all did the same thing. We, and then we convinced Mr. O'Donnell, who's my, one of my heroes growing up. He's a science teacher who used to break science down so simple. He was so dedicated. This man deserves like best teacher ever to walk earth award. And I'm not just saying that. He has the science lab in his classroom as we speak right now. He has, I don't know how many plants and animals, probably over 300 in his classroom. Oh my and gosh. he manages it. Yeah. He has turtles, He had rabbits growing up. He had every plant. If you were interested in some animal or plant during a project, he'll buy it for you and teach you how to care for it in his classroom. Oh, cool. But he was also a basketball coach and he was also really good in basketball as well. But he was my coach and he started waking up with us and coming and we had practice in the morning and at nighttime. And we, all the kids got off the street, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, all my friends graduated. All their grades got better and I never missed a day of school. So I kept my deal with Mr. Fernandez and then I became the first basketball player to get a scholarship out of my city, particularly Jersey City Heights and PS28 to play for Bob Hurley. I got that scholarship. So when I got the scholarship, then I went to St. Anthony's. We Home conditions were getting worse. Family things were getting worse. So I was so broke. I used to wear my school uniform on the weekends. I used to have to wash my khakis and my shirt and my underwear in the tub where I took showers and hang them up on the shower curtains 
but sometimes they can create kind of a smell. So we used to put it outside the window. And in the winter, we used to get it early in the morning because it had ice on it. Oh my gosh. Right? Like this is a true <laughs> story. So the worst thing you can do is sweat in these clothes because you release the odor that was already not really properly taken out of them. <laughs> so it was, it was tough. But doing that, they started a football program. Hurley was like, Nate, you're a big dude. You're doing really good. I think, you know, you should try football. I'm like, I'll never play football. And then everybody stopped me in the hallways like, hey, they started a football program. We think you'd be good. I'm like, I don't want to do it. And I ended up giving it a shot and it wasn't easy. And I never took a football hit. So when people were hitting me, oh man, I was soft. I went home and I cried to my dad. I'm like, dad, I need to do something. He's like, call your uncle. So I called my uncle and he, he took me to get a gym membership. And that's when I started doing, working out again. And then I just had two cousins that came out of prison and they, they, they became my personal trainer. And uh, same thing, same mindset. You can do it. Let's go. Because my stepfather became an alcoholic again. And he fell off the wagon a little bit. Oh, jeez. So my cousins picked it back up. I gained so much. I gained a lot of strength. And then I worked out every morning at five in the morning. And then every afternoon. And then I had practice. And then I started to build this mindset like I can do anything. You know, I put my mind to. I started playing football. And here's another part that I never told anybody. Wow. I'm telling you a lot of things I didn't tell people. <laughs> but what I did is I went to get a scholarship to play Division One football. Nobody, it's the first time we've ever had a football program in school history. Nobody has ever done it. And I was like, I'm going to be the first one. People laughed at me like, this guy's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And when they find out my mom has mental health issues, they, they think I picked up genetic oh, mental right. health issues. So they're like, you're like your mother. And I'm like, wow, you went low on that, but I'm going to show you different, right? I actually used to go home every day. And I emailed every football coach in the United States, division one football coach. I called every, so for example, I go to Rutgers.com, go to Rutgers football staff. Then I'll call the head coach. He won't pick up. I'll leave a voicemail. And then I'll go to his, then I'll send him an email. And then I'll find him on Facebook and send him a DM at the, it was just a message. And mm-hmm. then I'll find their wife. Oh my gosh. And I'll email their wife and tell <laughs> your, their wife, I just hit your husband up. Please tell him he doesn't want to pass up on his opportunity. And then when I'm done with that, that was the head coach. Usually it's like eight to 10 coaches. Then I did it to the next coach, the next coach, the next coach. So I literally contacted every division one football program in the United States. Every single one. When you're a school that just started off a football program, you don't have people who recruit you come to your school because they don't know anything. They didn't even know the school had a football team. So I knew I had to do it myself. I had to take control of it. And I ended up becoming the first Division One football program. I mean, a player in school history. Wow! Amazing. So I go play Division One football. I have twenty five scholarships. Yeah, and then I chose Delaware. It was a small school, but they had a great movement science degree. So this is when at 16, 17, I, I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Then at twenty two, I got diagnosed with celiac disease, and then I have something called viligo. So I'll take my headphones off so you can see. But my hair started turning white, and my skin started turning oh, white. Wow. Huh. And it was an autoimmune disease. And then it started growing under my armpit. Oh, yeah. On my feet. So I'm huh. like, what is going on? And then this is when Michael Jackson had his thing come out. And people were like, oh, you're turning into Michael Jackson. I was scared it was going to go to my face. And so I went to school and I wanted to know why. Mm-hmm. And as I wanted to know why, 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 I came across a man named Yo Elliott. And he was the first person in my life that I saw and said, oh, my God, that's going to be me when I grow up. I love basketball, but I wasn't tall enough. I love football, but I mean, I played football. I was very good, but I 
I did not like the sport. I hated football, actually. It was a business hmm. decision. It was actually the worst. It was a life lesson I learned. I chose my brain, my ego to get a scholarship over my heart. And that was, I learned that lesson at a young age, around 19 to 20, when I woke up every day and I literally counted down the days to leave school. I could not stand football. I hated it with all my heart. I huh. don't like the sport. I was just pretty good at it. I just didn't like it. But I told myself when I graduate, I would never work a job that makes me feel like this. I'd rather be broke and try to chase my dream than make money and not right. be happy. So what ended up happening is when I was in college, I would study, 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 study. And I wanted to know why I came across a man named Yo Elliot. I love hip hop, but I can't rap. So I used to look up at my favorite hip hop artists like, oh, it can't be me because I don't rap. I, my, mm-hmm. my favorite athlete can't be me because I don't do that. When I saw Yo Elliot speak, it was a man named Yo Elliot on YouTube. For some reason, my soul said, yo, that's you. Huh. And I got, and immediately this man was so smart, but he didn't look like he knew the information that he actually knew. He looked different. He didn't have the white coat on like doctors do. He didn't have, you know, he didn't use the terminology we learned in school. He didn't do none of that. He just said, okay, yo, this is the reason why your back is messed up. Your digestive system is off. I'm like, what? What is that? And where'd you learn that from? So at first, I actually, I hated the guy. I said, he doesn't know what he's talking about because I have a science brain. I have a left brain. I was very analytical. Where's your research? Where's your proof? (laughs) Who told you that? So I didn't accept him as far as being like someone I want to receive information. And then I kept on having these back pains that I couldn't, I could not get rid of. And my rheumatoid arthritis was bad. My digestion was off. So one day he made a video called Why Your Back Is Effed Up. And I would Google, why does my back hurt? He was always the first one on YouTube. I'm like, oh my God, I'm tired of seeing this dude. (laughs) One day I actually listened to him. And then he said, the reason why your your back is messed up because your guts are effed up. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, what? Let me try. He said, anytime you eat a food and you start farting or you get gassy, you get tired, that's usually a sign that that's inflammation. So what I did is I went three days and noticed that grains was doing that to me. Mm-hmm. This is before I got diagnosed with celiac. And I took out the grains. My back pain disappeared. Hmm. Now I'm doing squats in the, with the strength and conditioning coaches and stuff with no pain. And I'm trying to tell the athletic trainer, you need to check these kids' guts. If they're bloated, they will like, get out of here. You're like your mom. We know, you know, like kind of like that attitude. Like right. they try to diagnose me with bipolar in college, all that stuff. So. I'm like, okay, where did this man learn this information from? I want to know what you know. And that's when I came across a man named Paul Check. Yes. And we have that in common. I want to tell everybody. So when I reached out to Nate and I heard this familiar name, Paul Check, when I was 20, I worked at the sporting club in La Jolla and he would work out. He worked out there. I'd always say hi to him, but you know, that was 30 years ago. But I followed him since and listened to his podcast and to think of where he's come. And now you're like, he's like your biggest mentor. Yes. A hundred percent. He changed your life. One hundred percent. So when I started watching Paul, he answered questions for me that I, nobody was able to answer. Him and Yo Elliot did that. But the difference is I can relate to Yo Elliot a little more than Paul. So if Paul made a video about something and Yo Elliot made it, I listened to Yo Elliot. (laughs) And that's the influence of how everybody's different. And that's why people that don't want to chase their dream because they thought someone else did it already. My friend, I'm telling you, you're different. And if you're different, then people want to listen to you rather than who did it first. 
Right. Right. So I sat there and I would listen to, I watched Paul and I was so broke in college. I could not afford his book, How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy. It was like 20 bucks. I couldn't afford it. So I literally consumed all his articles, all his videos. And I had a dream one day of being a check three practitioner, which is one of the highest things you can get. Like a dream, like a night dream or you had a dream? No, no. I had a dream, like a visual, I visualized it. I wanted to do it. It was like a, something I want to accomplish. So I start getting conflict with my teachers, my professors, because, you know, we're teaching about the uh, kinetic chain and the gait when people have muscle imbalance. And I'm like, Hey, but if there's, if there's inflammation in the ovaries, a woman can never get through their lower abdominals and can't really properly get posterior pelvic tilting, which then can release the, the pelvis as far as the hip flexors. They thought I was crazy. And the whole school <laughs> knew about my mom. So they're like, oh. your mom. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, so I remember when a teacher, I'm not going to say her name because she's probably going to watch this. But I remember one day we was in the, in the class and we had to do an internship. And I said to my teacher, I don't like my intern. I got to change it. She said, why? I said, because I don't believe the way they do business. I'm a people person. They're all about the money. Can I change my internship? She goes, Nate, my first job, I used to cry every day in my car before going in. I hated it. I did it for three years because that's what you have to do in this world. And I said, Dr. Gomez, the difference between you and I is I would have quit and found something different where you didn't. I believe in myself enough to do what I dream of doing. She goes, Nate, we'll see about that in three years. So I shot, I I was about to say a name. I make her as an example all the time because you'll run into people who can tell you you're not going to be able to do something and you're able to do it. But after I did it, I'm like, yeah, I told you so. But then I learned the perspective of she must have been in so much fear that nobody showed her that it was possible. Right. Exactly. Love so that. I never did it like that. You know, that's why I don't mention her name. And I got a lot of love for her. So when I was in college, I graduated college. I was going through a lot of conflict with my teachers, but I graduated college and I had nowhere to live. And my girlfriend's father's like, look, you're a good dude. Come to Washington Heights, live here. We went to Washington Heights. Uh, he knew how, how much I wanted to make videos. I actually made videos with his, do- his well, my girlfriend, his daughter, showing one day we're going to make our dreams come true. She's an inspiring actress. I'm an inspired motivational health and life coach. So we made videos trying to tell people, we're going to do this thing. Who wants to come along? And her father's like, look, I know how much that means to you guys. I'm going to buy you guys a camera. So he took the little bit of money that he had and bought, me, brought us a camera. And then every morning he left me $20 on the counter and uh, he's like, you know, hopefully this covers the things that you guys need. And I'm like, $20? I used to get $5. Like $20 is a lot of money. So I used to take the 20. We created this dream for ourselves. And this is what people, if you're listening, you can do this. Just because you don't have it right now doesn't mean that you don't have it. You can have it in your mind, in your heart, and you can manifest it. Why manifest it? Don't just sit there and not do nothing. Pretend as if you already do it. So what I used to do is I used to wake up every morning. Starbucks used to open up at 5. So we'll get up, take the 20. Her father used to leave like 5.15. We'll walk down Dykeman to Broadway uh, Boulevard in Washington Heights, uptown Manhattan. We'll go into Starbucks. We'll get a coffee for like 2.46, a free water, the bathroom code, the Wi-Fi. And then we'll get our favorite seats sitting with the view of Broadway and Dykeman, visualizing one day we're going to get out of here. We had nothing to do, but we sat there and created things to do. So- Either my girlfriend did research on how to get an agent or I did research on how to be a better speaker or I'm watching something with Paul. And we did that every day. And as we did that, then I started to, I was also 300 pounds after my football injury. That's how my career ended. 
I would lose five pounds, 10 pounds, 15 pounds. And I'll go on YouTube saying, I'll train you for free if you're local. So I went to the Bronx. I went to uh, Brooklyn. I went all over New York City training people for free. And then doctors are asking, you know, their client, what did you do? How'd you lose the weight? Like you were obese. How'd your blood pressure get so bad? So then I had doctors calling me, giving me clients. And I was charging 20 bucks for meeting with clients. And uh, sometimes I come across single mothers. Women were my main niche. And I run across single mothers and I won't take their money. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, the universe will pay me back one day. And then after doing the videos, one day a, name, a man named Steve Silverman calls me. I applied for this gym that was almost a shot in the dark. It was to be a, basically a business partner in this very successful gym in Westchester, New York, which is the suburbs. And, um, and he had eight years of experience of being a manager and eight years of experience of being a head coach. And so I had nothing. So I, I put on the application, call me and give me five minutes and I'll show you why I'm the guy. <laughs> so he called me, gave me a shot. And he wow. goes, you want to know why I called you? And I said, no, because I Googled your name and I found that you play for Bob Hurley. Uh, huh. And I said, yes, I did. He goes, Nate, I went to school with Bob Hurley Jr. He was one of the best Duke players of all time, which he was. He won the, the national championship with, with Coach K and Grant Hill, which is one of the best Yeah, players. I remember him. So he goes, if you can get Hurley on the phone with me, I'll give you the job. Huh. I'm like, what? He said, yes. <laughs> okay. So I hung up the phone. I called Hurley. I'm like, hey, coach. I have a job opportunity as it can change my life, but he wants to see if you really like work. He wants to hear from you about me. He goes, no problem. So then he calls him, he calls me back. I meet with the guy and I end up getting the job at 24 years old, basically being a CEO of a company. My job was to figure out that he lost his business partner and his head, his, basically his head trainer. I had to take two positions in one in a neighborhood I never even walked through in Westchester, New York, the suburbs, a very wealthy area, and how to figure out how to make a business that was going on its ninth year at the time. And it lost its main two guys. And then um, what can I do? So then I did the same thing I did with my coffee. I did the same thing I did in the hotel when I was broken and I was poor. I went, sat there with a cup of coffee at the desk every morning around like six in the morning. And I wrote out a dream on how I was going to do it. I emailed every person that I could find that lived in Mimarinic. I emailed them. I mean, I, I Facebooked them. Hmm. Nobody got back to me. Then I said, okay, I think we can do better with the website. I learned how to build websites. Then I created a new logo. Then I renamed the business. Then I created a Google page. And then I went around to schools and gave speeches for free. Then I gave speeches to, in restaurants to people during dinner. I went around and then my name started circulating. Then I, I worked with the New York Giants uh, family. Then I work with the Judge Judy's family. Then mm-hmm. I start to really get around and my reputation start to grow. Then I was able to move my girlfriend and out her father's house. And at the time, I didn't want her working. I wanted her to focus on acting. So then we moved to Westchester. We get an apartment. And then we had our kitchen was half kitchen, half filming area. So it was a blue screen in there, camera. My bedroom was my office in my living room. And then one day I came home and um, I told my girlfriend, I'm like, this is all great, but one day I feel like if the gym would have burned down, I have no equity. She was mm. like, what do you mean? I was like, if this gym burns down, I'm everybody's best friend, but I own nothing. And I just had this intuition. Out of nowhere, my brother calls me. Hey, our cousin Paulette wants you to call. I'm like, okay. So I called her and she goes, Nate, I see you put your videos up on Facebook. And I feel like you should be putting your videos 
I feel like you're going to be a business owner one day. I said, okay. She goes, I have a business partner. You got to call him, set up an LLC just in case. So I go, I call him. He brings me through everything I need to know. He goes, what's it going to be the name? I said, well, my dream, I have a blueprint in 2015 to name my first business Dream Fit, where dreams and fitness come true. He goes, how about you just put Nate Ortiz Fitness? And I'm like, no. Dream fit because I visualized my little brother one day. My youngest brother was obsessed with fitness too. So, which I, I end up getting custody of around 16. I, I have a youngest brother that came into the world when my mother was in prison. So oh, she wow. was in prison, she came out, she had a baby, and then went back oh, to prison. My gosh. So her sister had custody. So my little brother was raised with my cousins, that my two closest cousins. But at when I was about 16, and he was about 10, 11, he asked my aunt, he's like, Look, I want to, I want to be in my brothers. So he left a good life that my aunt provided for him to come to the ghetto. And uh, now hmm. they, my, my aunt lived in the ghetto too, but she did very well for herself. So I was like, no, I, I don't want my brother. Cause my brothers, I became the superstar in sports and my brothers lived in my shadow and I felt it and I saw it and I felt guilty of it because they were great human beings that they, their own stars, their own magic, right? They had their own magic, right? Right. So I named it dream fit. It was $505. I have $515 left in my account. I gave them the 505. I come home a couple of weeks go by. I start going into New York City, training some clients in New York City. I work seven days a week. I was burnt out. I was waking up at three in the morning every day. I was like, dude, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And then I came home and then my girlfriend's like, I have an audition. Now I manage my girlfriend's career. At the same time, I'm running two businesses. I just got a puppy for her to keep her company as well. <laughs> we did this audition. We did 154 auditions in 2019. So this is another audition. I'm burnt out. I'm like, and if I show her I'm tired, I mess up her energy behind the camera. So I can't show that. And it was for a show called Saved by the Bell. And it was a reboot. I read the description. I drop the paper. She goes, what happens? I'm like, oh God. She's like, what? I'm like, you booked this. She's like, babe, I have to audition. I'm like, babe, I'm telling you right now, I can bet any amount of money you book this. We got to figure out how to get to LA. Oh my God, what am I going to, I start panicking. She's like, babe, 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 stop. We got to audition first. So we do the audition. We sent it in. I'm like, babe, start packing. You're going to LA. So her agent will laugh, but her father didn't laugh. He's like, I know Nate says these things and it's funny, but this guy scares me. He's like a psychic. If he says something, I'm going with it. Oh, I love that. And then I called out everything. The day they were going to call her, the day they were going to fly her out. And then the day that she booked it. It was three different dates. It was right before Christmas. She ends up booking Saved by the Bell. We have Christmas. We come to LA. She's about to make more money in a year than I'll make in three. Right? right. So our life changed. She's like, quit. Come here. I was like, ah, I can't quit. I have a gym. If I quit, the community is not going to have a gym. I let people came to the gym. 75% of people came to the gym because it was a way of getting out of the house and expressing themselves and building a relationship with the trainers. Right. So I'm like, I can't leave. And plus I had two trainers that were there that were 50. That one was like a mother to me. And I knew if I left, I was going to leave her drowning. I just couldn't do it. So I go back and I go through this little depression and out of nowhere, boom, COVID hits. Mm, I leave, I come to LA, the guy sold the gym. And then now I'm like, okay, who am I? What do I do? How do I build again? And then I had to put all my faith in my videos. And then that, that's when I doubled down on my videos. I'm like, it's either I do this or I die trying. And then I end up getting a, a Grammy nominated artist. And I make one of the biggest transformations in Hollywood. 
with him. And then I get all these actors. And then as that's going great, then I took all my videos. It took me f- six years to get 500 subscribers on YouTube. And I hit 25,000 total views, right? Instagram had 1,300 followers last year at this time, around last year. And then I had these kids bothering me all the time. Like, yo, you got to put your videos on TikTok. I'm like, bro, I'm not dancing. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> yeah, they're right. like, no, put it on TikTok. I'm like, I'm not. And then one day I was like, you know what? Let me get over my ego. Let me put it on TikTok. I put it on TikTok and the rest was history. I became, I blew up. I ended up getting like 200,000 followers. I've been on there for a year now. The first six months, I got 200,000 people to follow me. I think yesterday or the day before, I just hit over 50 total million views. Wow. And then people from there obviously went over to my YouTube. I think I'm over, I don't know how much, I think I'm anywhere from three to 4,000 on YouTube. And then from there, it took me five years to get 500, six years. And then on Instagram, I'm almost at like 9,000 followers now. And these are not weird followers. These are followers who like know my whole life, right. you know? So yeah, like is, me. Exactly. Beautiful but, people like you. Yeah. But Nate, I mean, that was like, I mean, we're so far into this episode and I, I wouldn't have that story is there's still other parts, facets to that, your life that I weren't in there that are just like, oh my gosh. That was my plan though, to come on here and give you a version that wasn't heard. Yeah, It was. Yeah. So that was the plan. Cause Thank after you. the Sahara Rose podcast, I'm like, all right, people know all that, but then I want to bring things that people didn't know. So yeah. when people, when we do share this, they can see that side as well. Yeah. I love it. So why do you think, cause you're, you were 24 when you were like, you had $20 at Starbucks mm-hmm. and now you're 29. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's that? Why? What's your explanation of, I mean, once you get onto the TikToks and onto the, like they fall in love with you. You have this like authentic, real, you've already experienced it. So it comes from a place of, I know how you feel. This is what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so much more depth to who mm-hmm. you are. So you tell me, what does it take? What do you think it took for you to get that? Okay. So when I was a kid, I used to go to my dad and say, dad, you know, this isn't fair. Like mom's doing this and we can't have Christmas and we can't eat. And my dad's like, he calls him, he calls us pa, you know, he's like, pa, listen, somebody out there got it worse. I'm like, bro, are you serious right now? Like, I'm trying to express my feelings. And he's <laughs> like, no, you're going through a lot, but you know, people got it worse. And it never got to me until one day I left the hotel and I'm walking and it was a cold day and I was crying. I usually cry on my walks, right? Even to this day, I, if I have to cry, I just go on a walk and just cry my, you know, my feelings out. And then I remember I was waiting for the green light for the walking sign for me to cross the street. And I glanced over and I saw New York City. And I'm like, yo, I could have been born anywhere else in the world, but I'm born right here next to New York City. Mm-hmm. Like Jersey City is on the Hudson River in front of New York City. And then I started to say, I'm here for a reason. And then I got deep on that belief. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, who made me? Average and now Google, how long does people in America, you know, live for? 79 years. Okay. We're creating things that are going to live longer than us. We're creating robots. The thing that made us is smarter than us. And why didn't they create robots to come here? Why do I have feelings, imagination, intuition? Who am I? I'm not my body. Where do I go after this? Where did I come from? And then I was like, oh, 
this is more magical than we imagined it to be. But if we all knew how magical it was, then people who run everything won't benefit as much. So what I mean by that is if everybody knew that everything starts within you first, then less people struggle with fear. And the less fear that we have, the more faith that we have. The, the less, the more we understand the things that we put on our body control the vibration and energy of how we feel and, we, and how we think, therefore creates issues with not going broke or being in debt and having to work for a job that you don't want to work at, but you can't quit because you can't afford it. So I started to get really deep on that. And, you know, Bob Proctor was one of the people who helped me to understand how vibration and thoughts work and Napoleon Hill was. And around 21, 22, when I started seeing the connection between my diet and my back, I started noticing I was able to read better. I was able to speak better. If you look at my videos from two years ago, my accent was 10 times worse. And I was a bad speaker. I had the enthusiasm, but I wasn't clear like I am now. Hmm. I wasn't as sharp as I am now. So I used to look in the mirror and be like, why is nobody booking me for speeches? And why is nobody podcast people calling me? And then I had to look at, oh, what am I not doing right? And I took self and personal you know, responsibility. So the magical, the thing that got me that way is that I'm so rich in my mind and I have everything I want already. It just hasn't caught up to me physically yet. Hmm. Now, you think that you become rich if you win the lottery, most people that win the lottery go broke again. Right. Because it's not about what you get, it's about who you become. Right. So let's just say if a person wants to get in shape, but they don't act as if a person that wants to get healthy as far as their habits of eating, moving, the way they think, they'll never get in shape. You're not going to just magically get in shape one day. So what I notice is I am who I think I am before I actually get confirmation from the world that I am. Uh, yes, I teach that to my, I have a teenage class. I teach, right? It's called raising confidence. And I was like, you got to become that. You got to be that person. What do they talk about? What do they eat? What do they do for fun? Be you that person. To. I studied these people. It was weird how bad I studied these people. I was obsessed. I studied- you used to wear like Lululemon outfits and oh, whatever. Yeah. They- <laughs> so here's what I did. You ready? This is, these are all facts. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with how Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather used to talk crazy before his fights, but he never lost. And what my dad used to teach me is my dad and I built a relationship. I am who I am today because of my father. Like my dad is the person who gave me this mindset, right? I am, my father is Nate Sr., but he was this Nate on the streets. And I'm like, if I can take this DNA and give it to the world rather than on the streets, and I don't have to worry about cops, I can make this DNA go further in life. Right. So my father, he used to sit me down. We used to watch the HBO series that they had of like boxers and show the life that they, it's like a, a small little series that they do before a fight to, to you know, amp up a fight, but show right. you Floyd Mayweather's side and Oscar, you know, the Golden Boys. Uh, right. And my dad used to, show, he's like, look how hard he works, Nate. You see that? At the end of the day, if you work, they pay you. And he used to, we used to have that talk. Like, I'm like, dad, I want to get that thing. He's like, get to work. Like mm-hmm. my dad you said, instead of saying, oh, if you want to do this, you got to do this and overcomplicating it. He used to be like, it doesn't matter if 
people like you or not. If you go to work and you show up and you do your hours, you get a paycheck. So mm-hmm. I studied Floyd Mayweather, Kobe Bryant. Those are the two people. See, Floyd Mayweather used to talk shortly, you know, hard work, dedication. That was my mantra, hard work, dedication, hard work, dedication. So I used to go to the gym at six in the morning, wake up at 4.45. I used to put Floyd Mayweather motivation on YouTube and just walk and listen to it as I walked to the gym. And then Kobe Bryant gave you more explanation than he was a great speaker. Mm -hmm. So I listened to a lot of Kobe Bryant and I saw how Kobe Bryant, he said, when I wake up in the morning, I do my first workout at five, my second one at eight, and my third one around 2 p.m. By the time the average guy practices at 11 a.m., I worked out every day. I work out three times when they work out one, I'm getting three times better. Right. So I look for that same thing in everything. That's why I told you. I can wake up on vacation. I'm still getting up at 445, 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Even if it's for me to sip on coffee, looking at an ocean in Hawaii, because I'm going to take it. We don't know how long we're here for. And I'm taking advantage of every second. So I took that mindset for sports, made it happen. Then I took it for business. And when I did it for business, I would be in Westchester, New York. And I want to know, this person can hang out in the gym all day and have a, a $5 million house. What do you do? How'd you make the money? <laughs> right? What's going on? So I used to walk around in their neighborhood and I studied them. They all had a luxury car. They all used an Amex card anytime they came and paid for a package. They all knew something with business. Their cars that they drive are under their business. What does that do? How do you do that? What is going on? Like I said, they were Lululemon. <laughs> I want to make sure I hit everything here. Uh, Lululemon. They had the shoes. They had the cloud shoes. The cloud shoes. I got them here. You do? They're in my closet. I got the cloud <laughs> shoes. I never sold these shoes in my life. I'm like, what are those? Right? So I started making a little bit of money. I took my money and I started to do this. I put money towards rent, first paycheck, and I took the other half and put it towards the Czech Institute to become a Czech practitioner. Okay. By the way, I'm a level three practitioner today. Amazing. I met my idol and I just signed my first contract to do business with my idol, Paul Czech. August 6th, I'll be in San Diego doing that. Amazing. I forgot to throw that in there. So I, I did become, I talked to my idol in text messages. Insane. So I saw them and I'm like, okay. So then I took the other half of the money and I was doing this before I knew about the LLC. I was doing this on my regular paycheck. I went to Lululemon. I brought three pair of pants for Lululemon. I brought the cloud shoes. <laughs> so then when I went to your building to work with you in New York City on Tuesday, I used to go on Tuesday in New York City. It was like a 40 minute drive in. If I'm working with you, the person across is looking at me. Now they hear how smart I am. They see how consistent I've been for the last seven weeks that they've been coming. And they see that I look like them as far as dressing. Right. Oh, he had the little lemon on. Oh, he has this, he has that. So then I'll pick up clients as I'm there. Hmm. And I started, so then your best friend will work with me. Every time I introduce myself, I make sure I have a haircut. I make sure that I have the attire, the business attire and there's nothing that makes a client happier than know that you're always getting better. So my clients love the fact that every dollar that they gave me, they saw me getting more education. They saw me hiring employees. They just love, they love supporting a small business. Right. So that's what I did. And I, like I said, I became them. So today I laughed because not today, but the other day I laughed because I have a Mercedes I have all the things and I did all the things that they do. And now I'm in the process of possibly buying my first house right now. And I'm in like- In New York. 
in my opinion, a better community in on the Jersey side where my family and I are all doing a blueprint to live next to each other. My small, my brother, my cousins were all planning to go to this one beautiful community. My One of my cousins who's, ex, ex, both of them are very successful, but one of them just brought a house. She brought a house two years ago in that community. It's 30 minutes outside of New York City. And then my her sister is buying a house and my brother brought a house. My little brother oh. buying a house and he lives in that community and my cousin's pregnant. And after all the success that I had in my life, and I want to mention this because I didn't never share this either. I went through a moment of first time in my life of not feeling anything. Hmm. So the Sahara Rose podcast, I can't tell you how many people reached out to me a lot. Then I got one of my biggest clients. His name is Charlie Rocket. I never told anybody I got him as a client. So this is the first place I'm telling it on. <laughs> but I get a kid named Charlie Rocket who couldn't lose weight. He had every Nike trainer in the world. He's notoriously known. He's a very, very well-known dude on, on social media. Very, very sweet. He's a sweetheart. He's a great dude. And um, I wanted to be excited, but I wasn't. I wasn't excited. And then what I felt is there's no sense of having all the money in the world, all the success, doing beautiful podcasts like this. And when I hang up here, I don't go to my, I can't hang out with my family. Right. Right. Oh. You think it's like, not, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying like, People that may be listening, you come. I came to Hollywood. I worked with the best as far as the people you watch on TV, the people you listen to. I did all that, right? I made the money. But there's nothing more empty than having a place. When you're here, it's always on. Everything right. always on. While you're in this city, Los Angeles, and I hear people talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it, right? I'm going to put my perspective on it. It gets to a point where all the likes, all the views, at the end of the day, if that's what you're doing this for, turn around. Turn around. If you're at a nine to five and you want and you're happy at your nine to five and you love your house and your husband and your wife and your family, there's nothing more fulfilling than having a house full of love, of real love. Because I have to coach people out of fake love here. And a lot of people you watch are broke. They're broke and unhappy, but they act like they're rich. So yeah. I say all that to say, I start to see uh-oh, I see what's going on. And as we're speaking right now, my emails that came coming in before you are, is my agent in New Jersey. I'm, I'm going to buy me a nice home right down the block from my cousin who's pregnant. She's about to have a baby. She's like a sister to me. And I just met my cousin, uh, her sister. I just met her daughter for the first time last uh -huh. week when I went to Jersey. And this can't be life. If I'm just meeting my little cousins for the first time and I can work from anywhere else in the world, I don't need to be here. So I'm saying all that to say my cousin's about to have a baby and it brings me joy knowing that I'm going to be with my family as my cousins grow up and we oh. have kids next to each other. And we came from the projects because they came from the projects too. Oh, I love that. But your girlfriend, she's an actress and a hundred percent. So she's an actress. She's able to work from anywhere in the world. So what happens is this, I'll break it down for you so I can keep it real with you. I'm, I'm authentic, so I don't want to hide anything. So let's just say you do good and you make 500000 Congratulations, you made 500000 If you want to get a house here, you ain't getting one for less than one point five. But you know what? It's LA. It's okay. So you work your butt off. You get that $1.5 million house because you're in LA. The thing about the acting community is you can do three months of filming and then have nothing for the rest of the year. But you're in LA. You're an actress. You need to stay here for acting. 
Now you have a $1.5 million house or a $2 million house. What are you doing for the remaining nine months of the year? Nothing. Oh, okay. Right? Who's coming over for dinner tonight? She's from Washington Heights, New York. Her family's in New York like mine. Right. Jersey. So you start to see like, oh, it's cool to have this nice house. It's cool to be in the good weather all day. But who's coming over today? Right. Can my dad come over and enjoy my new car? No. You see that? So people don't talk about that. I, mm-hmm. When I see something, I speak about it. Right. I'm like, whoa, whoa, nobody just saw that? Right. <laughs> nobody <laughs> felt that? They're like, Shh, you're not supposed to say that. Why? Why? I have to act like I don't feel that? Or I don't. So that's, I think that's one of the reasons why people sometimes get pulled to my content. because They do. I can't fake it. It's just not a part of my DNA. Right. So I say all that to say, she can easily come in when you're an actor and you get a deal, they give you a relocation check and they relocate you. So you come oh, okay. in, you do your business and then you go, go oh, back home. Perfect. Yeah. Oh. LA is always going to be a home for me. It's not my home. It's going to be a business place and home for me. I like it. It's awesome. I will have a, I'm, in my imagination, I'm going to have a beautiful house in Malibu one day, but mm-hmm. you will. I want to make sure that I don't know how long my, my mom has, my dad has. And it's the first time in my life where, I can take my dad to dinner and not look at the check. And he doesn't have to worry about that. It's the first time in my life where I can get business deals and go over. My father's a very smart man, right? I can be like, dad, what do you think about this? In person instead of on FaceTime, you know? I can share, these moments need to be shared with my family more than, you know, somebody that I know down the block that has 15 million followers and they're considered to be cool, you know? Right, yes. what, what is your vision? Like, what, where are you? And you're 29 years old. Where, I mean, you've from 24 to 29, five years that's happened. What's the next five years? Where, where do you, what's you, cause Oof, I know you, I question. know you visualized it. I know you've already seen it and become it and worn the clothes and you've already become that person. So what is that person doing at 35? Okay. So that person at 35 years old is going to have his mortgage hundred percent paid off. Like that, I already had, I made a game plan today to pay my mortgage off in four years, right? My cousin's like, you're crazy. You got 30 years. I'm like, I'm doing it four because most people don't know the interest that you pay on 30 years. You're paying two times more for the house, right? Or you're paying just as much for the house for interest. I'm a very business savvy mind. I, it was a gift that I got from my father being a drug dealer and my uncles being drug dealers. Huh. And I never want to get into selling. I never want to get into too deep into knowing what I'm, I have a confession to make with you. That I never told anybody. Wow. We're talking four or five things. Yes, I'm ready. I used to have to sell drugs and I never told nobody that. I used to be given the drugs from my father at 10, 11, because he's disabled. He couldn't really move around. And I used to get the drugs and I used to be sweating in my hand. And I used to have to count the cash and make sure the guy didn't leave. We're talking about grown, strong men that come in the... And on the way to the car is to ask God to forgive me. Wow. And please don't judge me. I'm here. To, I don't want to do this. And my father never sold more drugs than he, um, or made more money than he, he never made enough to want. He only made enough to need. And I used to ask him why. I'm like, that. we can get new shoes. And he's like, as soon as you take advantage, that's when God would give me my lesson. Right. God knows as soon as you guys are off to school, I'm done. And that's true. I take care of my father's bills today. My dad don't do nothing. He's retired. You do? Uh-huh. I take care of my father. My father's in rehab and he's in therapy. And I huh. pay for his transportation. 
and I pay for his rent and I pay for his transportation to get from his house to his rehab. Wow. My dad's taken care of. That's amazing. And you've never done drugs? Never. 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 When I had my spinal injury, they tried to give me Percocets for the pain. I didn't take it because I knew a high chance of becoming an addict. Never. I don't take Advils. I don't take nothing. Now, that's to say these things are magical. I think these things are magical. They put me on Adderall one time. I took an Adderall. If I was on Adderall, I have seven businesses right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Oh my gosh. I'll tell you what I'm going to do in the next five years. I say all that to say, because I hit you with a business thing and I'm like, okay, this is where that came from. I'm trying to give you everything. I don't want to leave you shorthanded. Oh, I love it. So in the next five years, Right Are you now, looking at something speak, right now? I am. I have my, my dream map on the board or okay. on behind this computer. I'm actually writing my first book. And um, we're probably three to four weeks out of the proposal being done. And we're expecting a big publisher and a big advance. We're, we're expecting a good deal. And um, Who's, so we? My, Who's we when you say well, we? Well, Sahara Rose was one of the people who, who mentored me, not mentored me, she got on me ASAP. She's like, you need to write a book. She became my client after the, we, after yeah, we got that. done. Yeah. As soon as we got done recording, we, we pressed stop. She's like, I got to work with you. What do I do? So she's like, I'm coming to LA next week. What do I do? She had digestive issues. What I did is I immediately fixed her diet. I met with her for two hours the week before she came. Her bowel movements were great. Digestion was good. That means the core muscles now are available to work with. She came here. I did two hours of working with her. Her posture was off. I realigned her hips, her shoulders, strengthened her right glute, loosened up her left glute. I fixed her obliques, everything. And now she has no pain. She used to spend, like most clients, most clients, you spend thousands of dollars on therapists, like uh, massage therapists and chiropractors. She don't spend none of that. So she comes out here. But after I worked with her, she said, Nate, I can't find, I know you, you recommend Paul Check, but he gives me 20% of the information you talk about. What about this? She's like, you need to make a book. I watched all your videos. You need to make a book. So then there was a little, the little, the inner child in me is traumatized from trying to write and read. Right. Right. So I'm like, I don't know. My girlfriend's like, yo, you can do that. What are you talking about? You can do anything. And then I'm like, okay. So mm-hmm. she ended up gifting me a course from Gabby Bernstein. Oh yeah. For the bet, how to become a best seller. Yes. Uh-huh. That was a $2,000 course she, she gave right. me. I was like, oh my God. So, because I'm not used to that type of energy exchange. I'm used to me overgiving and not really getting anything in return so much. Mm-hmm. Then Thank she you. emailed me the next day and she's like, hey, I just want to let you know how much I believe in you. I invested into a writing coach for you. Oh my gosh. And I got you 10 sessions. And I'm like, what? what? She's like, she's going to help you set up your whole proposal and she's going to walk you through everything. And I was lost for words. Now, Sahara came across my TikTok. I video, know. Right? Crazy. And she became uh, one of the biggest supporters of my life. And immediately, that just shows you the power of the internet, which is cool. But after she did that, she sold four books or three or four books she made. Mm-hmm. This Sahara Rose is the first person. And I'm going to say this. She's the first person that has a following that I met in real life that is more authentic than I met with anybody huh. else. Anybody wow. else. She's the realest, most loving, most authentic person. Wow. Most. I and I've worked with that. a lot of actors and rappers and influencers. Right. She's the most. So what you see 
is what you get, but you get more with her in person. Hmm. And that's a fact. So long story short, she gifted me a writing coach. I've been working with my writing coach for the last eight weeks. And I never cried so much in my life. The first chapter is about my story. And it's to show you how everything is connected. But why I became obsessed with it at a young age because of my issues with my health and my life and my trauma. And uh, some things that I wrote in here, the stories that I never told, but I told on your podcast first about me having to sell drugs and about my stepfather getting, getting me to work now. But when you write about it, when you write about a trauma, I don't know what it does, but it released, I cried like a baby. I cried huh. so much that someone who's connected to me, one of my clients who, who would just have a great relationship, she called me. She was like, hey, I don't know if something's wrong in life, but I keep having dreams of you crying. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh my God, yes, I'm crying because of my book. She's like, oh, thank God you're okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. But so the next release, like healing. Totally. Yeah. Because what I learned about the, about trauma is that when we tell it, we tell it in a heroic way, but when we have to experience or walk through it, like, like writing it or someone telling it to us, we can stimulate the, the uh, sympathetic system or we can stimulate adrenaline, cortisol, insulin a little more, which basically means you, you can react differently. Because we tell it in a way that's a hero. Even when people come back from war, they do the same thing. But when you get them in a group setting and you repeat their story to them, that's where you'll see them actually feel it again. Right. So in the next five years, my book deal is going to be October, November. I'm already pre-selling the book now. I already have a thousand people waiting for the book. I set this thing up in my mind. Like I do TikTok lives. I'm like, look, I'm making a book. I'm going to give you all the information you need about this presentation get on my waiting list for this book. And in, in about two months, I've got a thousand people to sign up. That's cool. Wow. I started learning. If you get people to sign up for the pre-sale and you get pre-sales, you got six months. So when I get my book deal, I'm taking that, I'm taking that, I'm going on tour to do pre-sale for free. So people can meet with me for free. I'm speaking, I'm doing all yeah. that to get, get pre-sale. So I plan my book being done in eight months from now. So when I'm 30, I got everything planned up. When I'm 30 <laughs> years old, I plan on having the book done, but working on my second book while, while working, um, promoting my first. I plan on having a house in Jersey. I'm going home regardless. If I don't buy now, I'll go for a little bit rent and then I'll buy. But I'll, I'll have, I'll be Why do you have that booked. doubt? Why do you even question not buying? The reason why is because as an independent contractor, Sometimes when you go buy a house, it's not the same. I tried to buy one last year, but they didn't let me because my girlfriend and I are entrepreneurs. You need two years of proof of uh, oh, right. tax return and stuff. So okay. that's the only thing. But okay. I, I mean, we did, I, I waited a year. I did everything. I was a good boy. I did everything the right way. So if something weird would happen though, I'm not in a rush. I'm learning on to trust the process a little more. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I see myself having three books. Next year, I see myself making Three four hundred thousand of speeches alone. I have that money in my mind already. I see myself having three books by thirty five, being one of the biggest motivational, inspirational coaches in the world, and I see myself going to countries and places and building schools and water, clean water, schools, and doing it with my money and my hands. Oh wow! I want to do it. So, and when I do it, I picture myself at this campfire, and we have mm-hmm. the whole community outside after building 15% of the school, right? With our hands. And I'll have a translator next to me and I'm going to tell my story to the kids. And then I'm going to teach the kids in the community everything I learned about life to where now I can 
plant a seed in them, but then also bring them resources as far as information with their school, their books, their clean water. And then now I change, I change life generations forever outside of their internet or, you know, places that really need me. So my biggest goal is to get, go to countries and make sure that any country, most countries that are struggling or even neighborhoods in America to make a difference, not just cutting a check. I want to be there. I want to mm-hmm. build it with them. So that's my vision in f- the next five years. Amazing. And I have a jet in my imagination. Oh, I love it. There's one thing that I really want in this life is a jet. Oh, now, cool. not because it's fancy. None. I want the freedom to jump on a jet and go help somebody in Florida right now if I wanted to mm-hmm. without looking for a flight. I don't like anything that restricts me and my mm-hmm. dreams and my, and my goals. So I visualize this jet of mine and I'm going to name the jet after my grandfather. What is that? His name is Paul. My grandpa is Paul. He's, oh, cute. he was uh, right before my grandfather passed away. And the last conversation I had with him, he, he I knew he was going to pass away. He was healthy, but I knew his soul was ready to move on because this man could stop. He could not stop telling me two things. He's like, Nate, keep making videos. Hmm. And I'm very proud of you. And, wow. and I'm like, thank you, grandpa. I'm like, all right, cool. Like when COVID is over, I'm coming back to Jersey and I'm going to, we're going to hang out. I can take you for lunch. And, and I never got to do that. So now I sit here and that's one of the things I reminisce with, like, Today could have been the last time I spoke to my dad and had all these things that I have going on here. This is no good unless I can enjoy it with people I love. Now, until I start getting to a point where if I'm coming to LA, everybody gets on a jet and we all go together, right? But when we have family paradigms and traumas, it's not easy to get out of. But when you do get out of it, my both of my little brothers are college graduates. My Brandon, who was with me during the whole time, is a Port Authority policeman right now. He's, he's responsible for, he's not a regular policeman. He's like a Port Authority police. He's responsible for any threats towards airplanes in New York and New Jersey. The World uh-huh. Trade Center, he protects the World Trade Center. He's like a high, one in every thousand cop get that, oh, gets that cool. job. And he just brought his house. He has a relationship. He has a dog. And my youngest brother works for my company. Oh, he does? Yes, he does. Dream oh. fit. He's dream fit. So we broke the curse. And now I'm like, all right, we broke it. I want to now leave general. I want to change everything though. I want to change. I want us all to sit at a table for Thanksgiving and not be scared or not eat alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I want us to have Christmas gifts for our kids where our kids can enjoy. I want to, you know, shift the whole paradigm. Oh, amazing. No, I'm always going to be everywhere. I'm going to, I'm going to have a condo in, uh, in Miami. I'm going to have a house somewhere in California without a doubt. But right now, as I'm growing, I want, I want my family to feed off that energy rather than strangers. Right. That's more, way more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. You have, you have so that was a long answer, what I'm going to do in the next five years. I give you <laughs> the shortest answer in the world. I have 17,000 other things I have planned already. I'm sure you do. But that's the overall <laughs> vision right there. Oh, I love it. Okay. So this is part one, just so you know, cause we haven't got into anything. <laughs> sorry. But my, no, I love it. Don't be sorry. But I'm like, gosh, there's so much to you. I and I knew that was going to be the case, but I, you know, there's just, you have so much knowledge. I mean, I guess in the, in the meantime, before we have part two, everybody needs to go see your TikToks. Like uh, be great with Nate. It's be, be everything is yes. be great with Nate. The only like my podcast, be great with Nate. My TikTok, be great with Nate. My website, be great with Nate at dot com. 
The only thing that is not be great with Nate at the moment is my Instagram. It's be great wit, W-I-T, Nate, because there's like a 10-year-old out there that got be great with Nate as a username. And we're going through it with Instagram. Like, hey, I own that name. Like, I need to get that name. So at the moment, it's be great with Nate. Okay. Well, everybody will be following you. You think you had a following after Sahara's <laughs> podcast, and now you just keep building and going and moving. And I mean, geez. One soul yeah. at a time. Help one soul at a time. Yes. Yes. One soul at a time. You're amazing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your magic. I loved, I love, I know everyone's going to be telling me how much they loved meeting you like me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm just, just doing my best. You know, I love getting the compliments, but I see so much value in people too, that I'm like, oh man, thank you for that. But you are too, you know, like you're great too. You're amazing too. So it's like Mm -hmm. the feeling is mutual and that goes for everybody, you know? So I never want to be someone that I never, the thing that I don't want to be someone that's pushed up on a pedestal and looked up to as if like, I'm this special dude. No, I just found out like, oh, you were all amazing. And your subline for your podcast is perfect, right? We all have magic within us. Right. All right. So let's uncover your magic. Thank you for noticing mine, but let's, what's yours? (laughs) Oh, that's a whole nother show. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Nate. You're welcome. So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.